John chapter 6, verse 54. I'm going to read down through verse 68. This is a difficult passage of Scripture, and it was difficult for the disciples too. And uh, so uh, when I read this this morning, I want you to understand that uh, necessarily, just because you don't pick up everything that, it, that it's saying there, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on some of this, but don't, don't feel too intimidated by this word because the disciples had some trouble, trouble with it too, and you'll, you'll hear about that as we go. John chapter 6 verse 54 says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? King James Version says, Does this offend you? Then... Or I'm sorry, what then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he, said, and he was saying, for this reason I have said to you, That no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Notice verse 66 through 68. It says, As the result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were walking with him no more. I believe the King James Version says, And followed him no more. Many of his disciples withdrew and followed him no more. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you not want to go away also? Or you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter said to him, or answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Amen. Verse 69 says, We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Thank you for your word, Lord. In Jesus' name. I want to read verse 68 through 69 again. And... This says, as a result, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. My message this morning is going forward. And and as I I began to prepare for this message, I, I began to think about how difficult these days are. The Word of God tells us that in the last days, perilous times will come. Do you remember that scripture? In the last days, perilous times will come. You may, you may know what the word perilous is, but just for the sake of being sure everyone does, in the last days, dangerous times will come. 
He goes on to say that men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. Gives a whole list of things that will happen. But I want to remind you that these are the last days and we are in perilous times and dangerous times have already come. Now, I understand that it's even more dangerous in many parts of the world than it is here. But we, we do face, a, a, there is a sense of danger. Danger comes in, in, in various disguises. Danger can, be from, danger can be from loved ones who are giving you uh, advice. You don't think about that. But sometimes they mean well, but what they're saying is not along with the word. And it can, it can be dangerous for you to take the, the advice of, of, of a loved one. We don't think about danger that way. We think about danger like this. We think about danger someone with a knife or someone with a gun or someone who, who comes in and would attack us. Just this week I found out that somebody had broken a window in the barn right next to my house. I mean, I mean right there and, and was staying up in the loft and sleeping in the hay. That presents a sense of danger. Maybe there's no danger there, but it, it puts this, this, this sense of danger. And, and that's, the way we, that's the way we think of danger. We think of danger as, as far as being uh, as driving down the road and perhaps someone runs a red light. There's lots of ways that there can be danger. But the word when it says that we live in perilous times, when it's talking about perilous times that would come, it's not just talking about those things. It's talking about living in a day when men love themselves more than they love God. And I believe that we certainly live in that day. It's talking about a day when the church would preach a doctrine that was just easy listening. Something that would tickle the ears because it draws a bigger crowd. That's dangerous because that's good. It's the, the word that is pre- being preached sometimes is a very good word. There's nothing wrong with it. But the word of God has to be preached in its full counsel. We can't preach part of it. We can't preach half of it. We can't pre- preach just what makes us feel good. Have you ever eaten your vegetables just because they were good for you as a kid? Well, that, that's what the Word is like. Sometimes the Word doesn't taste so good. Honestly, it doesn't. Sometimes the Word of God doesn't make us feel very happy when we receive it. Sometimes the Word of God will call us down. Sometimes God will chastise us with His Word. Sometimes God will, will bring us back into His plan, into alignment with Him, and it is not pleasant. But He does this because He loves us. And if all we ever do is eat cake, I don't just preach cake here, and our congregation size, I'll be honest, I know it suffers for that. But I will stand before God. These other ministers that that help me, they will, like me, they will stand before God. And we have done our best and we will continue to do our best to preach the whole counsel of God. We'll preach the truth. I I believe that we have some great leaders in this house and we stand for the truth and we believe that God's word is true and all of it has to be received. And we can't just take what we like and tear out the rest or black out the rest. We have to take all of it because if we don't take it all, we really may not have any of it in the first place. Now, we live in dangerous times and those are the times that we live in when the word of God says that they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Have you, ever, have you ever seen a dog that has itching ears? He'll dig those ears and he'll sometimes get down and rub them on the ground. And if you get right up by that dog and you start rubbing his ears, he is going to love you. I mean, he's going to just lean in and sometimes they'll, they'll groan a little bit. Mm. Have you ever done that? You know what I'm talking about? Our cat likes that too. I, I, I want to I I think about this just for a moment. And, and, and what's God saying there? The Lord is saying that when we heap, are heaping to ourselves teachers with itching ears, we're finding 
men or women, whoever, preachers, those who are bringing the Word of God, we're finding people that would rather please man and say something because they don't want you to stop tickling their ears. They don't want you to stop. See, we're, we usually look at that other. We think that the people have ears that we tickle. And, and that plays into this, but heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. The teachers are enjoying the applause The teachers are enjoying the accolades so much that they won't say anything that is too to the point. They won't say anything that's that's not positive because if they say anything that's not positive, somebody might stop lining their pockets. Somebody might stop giving them the applause that they're looking for. Someone might stop giving them the the praise in front of others. They might not get to keep their TV program or whatever. I'm I'm not against TV preachers. I'm just telling you that the Word of God says that there will come a day like this and we live in that day. We live in a dangerous time. And preachers are much at fault for the condition of the church. I am not perfect, and I have a long way to go in growing as a pastor, but I will tell you that I appreciate good comments about preaching and about other things, and, and, and I don't so much appreciate constructive criticism, but I can take it. But I want you to understand, I am not going to do something just because you like it, and I'm not going to not do something just because you don't like it. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be led by Him, and I hope you love me in spite of that. Now, I understand that we could grow this church a lot bigger, a lot faster, if we'll tickle the people's ears, if we'll preach what people want to hear. And I probably would have a bigger bank account, I'd have a lot more friends. I'd have a lot more, uh, a lot less stress and a lot more uh, joy in doing this. But it's for a little while. I'm going to stand before God. And I'm off track from my notes, but that's okay. This is what I feel like the Lord's wanting to say. I'm going to stand before God. And I want to stand before Him with nothing to hide. Open and honest. And Lord, I did my very best. I, I, I corrected those that I felt like needed to be corrected I preached the word even though I know that some didn't want to hear that word that day. Lord, I I enjoyed preaching the positive. I went along with what your word says and and, and I, I remembered to preach those things that might have felt negative but were really still positive. I want to stand before him and not have anything to hide. Here's what we have to realize. Jesus had disciples who were following him. What what does a disciple mean? Student, follower of Christ, discipline one. That's getting really close to what I'm looking for. All these are good. Uh, uh, The definition that I put together years ago is a disciple of Christ is one who is disciplined to follow Christ. Now, the word says that he had many disciples, verse 66, who withdrew from him that day and followed him no more. People who had disciplined themselves to follow the Lord. They had disciplined themselves. That means they weren't just following him and living a lawless life. They weren't just following him and doing whatever they wanted to and calling him Lord. They had disciplined themselves and they were following him. And the word says that many of those people turned away and they withdrew from him and they followed him no more. So what does that what does that tell us? I, I believe that that tells us a couple things. First of all, we have to we have to continually go forward in this walk with the Lord. And and let me tell you, you can't stand still in a walk with God. You even, you're, you're either going forward or you're sliding backwards. You can't stand still spiritually speaking. 
there's no place in the middle of this highway or we can look at it lots of ways. The, the Bible talks about the highway of holiness, and, and it also talks about this war that we're in. You don't stand in the middle of a highway. You have to move or you'll get run over. You don't stand in the middle of a battlefield or you'll get shot. You have to realize that there's no place to stand except on the rock of Jesus Christ. I'm talking, though, about we're in something that's moving. You have to keep going. And if you're not moving, you're going backwards. If you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. And the Lord has called us, the Word of God tells us that, that He's always drawing us, He's pulling us Him to Himself. And we, we need to realize that we, we need to be pulling toward Him rather than pulling away from Him. And the Word tells us that some of His disciples withdrew, they pulled away. And Jesus turned to His disciples and He asked them, will you turn away from me also? And I I bring all this to the forefront today, and I speak about this because I want us to understand that we are in an age that it is dangerous. I understand there have always been dangers. I understand that we, we have seen struggles in the church for many years. I understand that we live in a day when people want to hear good things. People have always wanted to hear good news. There's nothing wrong with good news. But I want you to understand that these last days are dangerous times, and there is no time for standing still, which doesn't work anyway, and there is certainly no time for sliding backwards. We need to be in hot pursuit of our God. Jesus turned to his twelve, and he said, you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Only you, Lord, have the words of eternal life. No one else has the words of eternal life. No one else has the way. No one else is the way. Some don't like it today when you preach that Jesus Christ is the only way. Some preachers are not saying it because they don't want to offend, but Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And if Jesus said it, I'm going to keep on declaring it because I believe him over anybody else. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way. And Peter said, only you have the words of eternal life. He goes on to say, we have believed. We have believed. How many of you have believed on Jesus Christ this morning? He doesn't just stop there, though. We've believed. He goes on. He goes really a step further. We've not just believed on Jesus We've not just believed that He is Lord, but it goes on to say, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We've believed on you, and we have come to know. I I, I want to show you that there's a difference there. We can believe on the Lord, but when we really get it deep down inside of us, we come to know that He is the Lord. You can believe, believe, I believe you can possibly believe on the Lord with your intellect. But somewhere deep down inside of us, there's another step that can take place when with our heart, we become, we come to the place that we know that He is the Holy One of God. I don't just believe that He is the Savior anymore. I know that He is my Savior. I know Him for myself. I've met Him. I've talked to Him. He's talking, He talks to me. He's talking right now to me, through me. And I know Him and I don't have to question, is this belief that I have real or, or is it not? Sometimes we 
we, we wonder, you know, is there anything even to this as Christians? Come on. Anybody been there but me? Just me? Okay. You put them right up and you put them back down real quick. Lift them way up. Just be honest. You've wondered, is there anything to this? Is there anything to this God? Is He real? Well, I believed on Him, but I'm still having some trouble knowing. I want us to understand that God will reveal Himself to us just like He did to His disciples. Those twelve who stayed, those twelve who endured, they have believed on Him, but they also, they knew that He was the Holy One of God. And I'm to the place, you can't talk me out of it. There was an old Pentecostal said song that said, you can't make me doubt it, I know too much about it. How many of you remember a song like that? I'm telling you, we have to know in our heart, and, and if you're, if you're gonna make it, if you're gonna hang in there, if you really know the Lord, and you're going to be victorious in your life, you have to go forward. That sounds simple. That sounds so simple. If I'm gonna be victorious, I have to go forward. What a brilliant revelation. I can't be victorious sitting still. I'll get run over. I can't be victorious sliding back. That means I'm withdrawing from the Lord. The Word of God tells us that no one, Jesus said, Luke chapter 9 verse 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I can't be victorious while I'm sliding backwards. Now I'm going I'm to talk really pointedly to you right now. Some of us have been sliding backwards. The newsletter article that should be on, I guess it's on the Welcome Center out there right now this morning, released it this morning. I, I want you to understand that I'm not pointing any fingers. We all have the tendency to move forward for a little while and then sometimes take a little step back and then go forward again. But there's no place for those falling times of falling back. These days that we live in are serious. The devil is as a roaring lion. I said it earlier. Our God is the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus. But I want you to understand, we live in a day that is very serious. There's no time to be slowful. There's no time to take breaks. And, and I'm not saying you can't go on a vacation or take a trip. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your relationship with your God. There's no time to take breaks. We have to be pushing cl close to him, pulling ever nearer to him. His disciples, many of his disciples withdrew from him and followed him no more. Have you ever had people that withdrew from you? I have. I'd say we've had 800 or more since I've been here who've withdrew from this church. And I'm not saying they withdrew from the Lord. I'm saying, as a pastor though, you, you develop a relationship with everybody. And even though I don't know some of you really close, I see your face and I love you and I want to see you here. And it blesses me it blesses me this morning to see you here. It blesses me. It blessed me last week that Bill said there were more people here than he expected on Memorial Day weekend when I was out of town. It blessed me. It blessed me that you came out to support him. It blessed me that I heard the good reports of how God, I don't care that God blessed while I was gone. I am glad that God blessed while I was gone. And here's the thing. We've had people who come and we've had people that, that, that go. And, and, and I want you to understand, we can't look at that. That's not what we put our focus on. God, God doesn't intend for everybody in this city to come to this church. It's the truth. There are people who should not be here. 
There might be somebody here this morning that this is not the church that you belong in. And if it's not, I pray that God puts you where you belong. But there are people in other churches that don't belong there, that perhaps belong here. But what we have to realize is we need to get in tune with God and we need to get as close to Him as we can. And when we get where we're supposed to be with Him, He will guide our steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. How many of you believe that you're right where you're supposed to be this morning? Amen. I do too. I want to talk to you for a few more moments here. We can't look at those people who have gone another way. Jesus didn't stay on that for, for very long. He just, the word just tells us that from that moment, from that day, many withdrew, but it didn't stay there. He looked at his other disciples and he said, will you leave me also? He was concerned with the people who were with him right now. And I want you to know, and I'm getting to a point, and what I'm trying to share with you is that not everyone, you might have heard somebody say this before, this is not a new thought, not everyone will go with you. Not everyone can go with you. Not everyone wants to go in the same direction. Not everyone has the same vision that you do. Not everyone has the same vision as the vision of this house. And I understand that. It, it's, it's hard as a pastor to see people go. But God has called me to be a shepherd in this house. And I have to worry about those who are here. I'm telling you all this because some of us are worried about who's not here. And don't worry about that. If you miss them, call them and tell them and tell them that you love them. But keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. He's the one we're following. We're not following anybody else anyway. Now, I want us to understand, and I want to go back to that point. Not everybody can go with you. Not everybody even wants to go with you. Some people don't want to go where you're going. And I know that. Some don't want to go where we're going. Some don't want to go where you're going. Some are, there are people who come into your life for a little while and they can be a blessing to you and then perhaps God sends them another place. There, there, there have been people who have come into this house and they have been weak and they have been torn down and they came to this house and God has healed them and they have moved on to another place and have become very productive members in other churches. And I thank God for whatever he did in them while they were here. And perhaps that's where, that's, maybe that's our call. Maybe that's what we do. And I'm okay with that if that's what we do. I'm okay with being a hospital as long as it has a good record of healing. I'm okay with that. And I don't care. I would love to see us be able to knock this wall out. This wall pulls out, by the way. We can have it out in about 10 minutes. I would love to be able to have this wall pulled out every Sunday and chairs filling the gym. But you know what? If that doesn't ever happen, we are still going to hold to the truth. We're still going to keep following Jesus. We're not going to turn back. We're not of those who have looked back. We're of those who are going forward. We are going forward. We are following Jesus. And we're going to keep our eyes on the prize. Can you say amen? amen? Now, you need to know that not everybody's going with you. They didn't all go with Jesus. There were, there were crowds. There, there were so many people pushing on Jesus the day that the woman with the issue of blood slipped in through the crowd and touched his garments. There were so many people pushing on him that his disciples thought he was crazy when he said, who touched me? But those people, most of those people went home later that day. They didn't keep following. They wanted to see the spectacle of who Jesus was. And not everybody will go with you on your journey, but while they're with you, love them. Treat them good. When they leave you, love them. 
but keep following Jesus. Not everybody's going the same way you are. They didn't all continue with Jesus. They're not all going to continue with, the, with you. And here's something else I want to say. Sometimes the road forward starts with a time of evaluation. There comes a time that we have to consider, where am I right now? Well, have I lost my passion and become complacent? Have I lost my passion and become complacent. You know that word complacent, complacency, I say that word more than anybody I know. I have preached and used that word more than anybody I have ever heard say that word. And I sometimes say, I am probably killing those people with that word complacency. But you know what? I believe that the church today is far too complacent. We're far too satisfied. We're settled in. Things are good. Our pews are padded. Our air condition works most of the time. But I want you to understand, most of the time, it's, it's, it's okay. The sound might sometimes get a little too loud. Sometimes it might not be loud enough for some. But the, for the most part, things are good. And we settle in and we're happy. And the person that I sit next to don't smell too bad. And the person that, that I come with, they, most of the time on the way to church, they, they smile at me. And, and, and we, we were happy and we come in and we just, we're just willing to come in and bask in the presence of the Lord, sit down on our seat, listen to the preacher get back up on our feet for prayer go out the door and act like we are just that's our one time a week thing we've got it done but we are the body of Christ we are the church these are the last days the world out there is the harvest field this is only the storehouse this is not the place to do your service your service happens when you go into the field feeling some anointing right now we have to go forward can't go backward You might need to take a moment and consider where you're at, and that's okay. But look forward. Don't go back. Someone told me this week, I got an email or a a message on Facebook. I don't think the person's here, and I'm not going to name any names anyway. But the person said, I have been struggling so bad. And I'm not preaching this message for that person. If one person is struggling so bad, there's at least 10, probably 20 more just like them thinking, feeling the same thing. We live in a troubled time, but we cannot give up. We cannot give up. When the going gets tough, the word, that, that, that old, that old, fable says the tough get going. I want you to understand that really that's a biblical principle. It might not say that in the word of God, but it's a biblical principle. When the going gets tough, those who really know the Lord, they just snuggle right in close to him. They get really close to God. When the going gets tough, the tough run to Jesus. The righteous run into that high tower and they're saved. I want you to understand that there's no place in this world that is stable except the rock of Jesus Christ. You can run to your lawyer, you can run to your banker, you can run to your doctor, you can run to your husband or your wife, you can run to your mother, your father, you can run to your preacher, you can run to uh, uh, whoever, and that doesn't do it. We have to run to God. We have to go to Him. We have to keep going forward. There's nothing back there anyway. What is there to look back at? I'm reminded of Genesis 19. I believe it is, Genesis 19, when Lot's wife looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah. 
God had, he had called them out of there. He said, I'm going to destroy this city because of its wickedness. And he said, go as fast as you can get out of here and don't look back. And this is, it truly happened, but it's also symbolic of the world. We have been called out of this world and we should leave that world just as fast as we could get out of it and we should never look back. But we do look back. And the Word of God says, as I already told you, Luke chapter 9, I believe it was, Maybe chapter, yes, chapter 9, verse 62. No one who takes the hand, puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We shouldn't be looking back. You know, when it really all boils down to it, are any of us really fit for the kingdom of God? We're not. But thank God for His mercy. But why would we look back to something that was nothing but sorrow and shame and, and terrible, terrible future ahead of us? Why would we look back to those things? Why would we look back? I'll tell you why. And it comes in the, the one word, name, nostalgia. thought about this on the way in here this morning. And I wrote this word on my notes, nostalgia. Nostalgia is a liar. Nostalgia tells you that things were better back in the good old days. That's what, that's what nostalgia does. And, and we have these feelings of nostalgia, and sometimes we think, man, it was so good back then. It was so good. Everybody in the church loved one another. Nobody talked bad about anybody. <laughs> I can say a whole lot more there. I'm going to hold my tongue. But I want us to understand the devil's a liar, and, and nostalgia lies to us. Those days were bad, too. Those days there were people who were backbiting. Those days there were people who were not living like what they said they were living like. In those days there were, I'll just say it, there were hypocrites too. In those days that you look back at, things were just like they are now, except they may have gotten a little worse because the Bible says in the last days things will wax worse and worse. They'll grow worse and worse. There, were, there was a hint of all those things. We can see it in the Bible, 1 Corinthians and other places. We can see what happened in the church. And don't ever let the devil tell you that things were, were really good back then and there's nothing good now because that is a lie of the enemy. Nostalgia is a liar. And I have to call that out. I want to point that out because I want to tell you that there's nothing better. There is never, There has never been, let's say it this way, a better time to go after God. It wasn't better back in the 50s to go after God. It wasn't better back in the 60s or back in the 70s or any time. Was, there was never a time better to go after God than right now. You know, you might be in a place in your life where things might have been a little bit more pleasant to you or might have been more precious to you. Maybe your children were young. Maybe you didn't have as much responsibility. Maybe you didn't have as much trouble in your life. But I'm here to tell you that God has not changed. God is still just as good as He always was. He has not changed one bit. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you will press into His presence, these can be the good old days. These are the days when God has said, I will pour out of my my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy when in the last days there's no time there's no time that the light shines brighter than in the darkest day and we are in a dark day but the light of Jesus Christ is shining it's time to go it's time to go forward it's not time to sit down I've called this a year of pursuit I've called it that all year 
The Lord quickened me this past week and He said, you've not been talking about it. You've not been telling them to run after me. You've not been telling them that we're still in this year of pursuit. Some have prayed and they sought the Lord. Some have fasted and they, they have come close to me and then now they're kind of, they're drawing away just a little bit and, and the flame is cooling down and the coals are starting to smolder. Tell them to come on after me. Run after me. This is the year of pursuit. There is no time to go backward. There's no time to stand still. We you're going forward after God. If you want to go after Him, then you're going to have to get on your feet and go after Him. You cannot do it sitting idle. And I can't do it for you either. This is our job. It's not my job. It's our job to go after God. So nostalgia lies to us. It tells us it was all better back then and things are not so good now. And I'm just telling you that the Word of God says that Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. If you want to feel what you felt back in 1972, you have to go after God. If you said, well, people used to come in and they used to pray around those altars before church. What is hindering you? The altars are open. Come on, I'm stepping on some toes. I'm just telling you the truth. If you say, well, we used to have times when we would fellowship together and, and we, would, we would begin to pray for one another and the power of God would fall in the room and people would be healed and there was joy that rose up in us. What is hindering you from doing that now? You can come together in one mind and one accord and the Word of God tells us that where two or three are gathered in His name there, He will be in the midst. Nothing has changed. Our God is still the same. It's us who have gone backward. We are needing to turn around and go forward. Forward. Well, praise the Lord. Only Jesus has the words of eternal life. Only Jesus offers real peace. Only Jesus can make life worthwhile. When I say that, I think of John 10.10. 10. The thief has come not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I am come, Jesus said, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's the scripture that this church chose all those years ago to be our, our key scripture. And I want to tell you that it's still just as true. The Lord wants to give you abundant life. He wants to bless you when you go in. He wants to bless you when you go out. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It, there, there will be suffering. We live in a fallen world. There will be death. There will be hardship. There will be trials and torments. There will be all these things. But our God is more. The Word of God says those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer, a will suffer persecution. The Word tells us that, that we will be afflicted, but that the Lord will deliver us out of them all. I want you to understand, if you're not where you want to be with God, it is not God's fault. Get up and go forward. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're, we're too complacent. We're satisfied. I'm not making fun of this song, but I don't even know if it's, I think uh, Gaither Vocal Band did it, and they might have even written it. Bill Gaither, I'm not sure, but I'm satisfied, and I'm not, I'm not opposed to what that message is in that song, but we have allowed ourselves to get satisfied. Not that we should be satisfied, that we should not be satisfied in Jesus. The, the Apostle Paul said that I, I've been in, I've been in lack, and I've been in plenty, but I found out that I need to be basically, to be uh, content in whatever state I'm in. And so we should be satisfied in the Lord. And don't get me wrong, that's not what I'm saying. He satisfies. But we should not be to the point where we're just satisfied with the way things are. Okay, things are good. I'm going to sit down here in my pew, and I'm going to just be happy. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to love my neighbor. 
I'm going to be quiet so I don't get any, in any messes. I'm not, I'm not going to step out and do what God has called me to do because I'm not able to do that anyway. I'm just happy to be here. I thank the Lord that I'm on my way to heaven. And you know what? My neighbors are on their way to hell. My kids are on their way to hell. And I, I'm not going to do anything about that because I'm satisfied. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for people who will step out of that comfort zone, who will say, I'm tired of sitting idle. I'm getting run over here. I'm getting run over by all these things, so I'm going to go forward. I'm not going to fall back anymore. I've stepped back too many times from the plate. I have waited too long to step into his promise. It's time now for me to step across that line and go forward. That's what God is looking for. How can we call ourselves, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really, really blunt here. If you, if you get offended at me, I love you. And I hope you'll leave here still talking good about me. But if you don't, I'm going to tell you the truth. How can we call ourselves Christians when we don't love one another? You know, it's what the Word says. It's what the Word says. Let me, let me take that even a little bit st- a step further. Well, let me tell you where the Word says it, how it says it. It says, we, how can we say we have the love of Christ if, the, if we don't love our brother? But let me take that a step further. How can we call ourselves followers of Christ, disciples, Christians, believers, and turn a deaf ear to the Lord when He is saying, this world is on its way to hell. Who will go for us? The Lord is crying out for His church to rise up and be what they are called to be. There is an anointing for you to walk in your gifts There is an anointing for you to go forward in the kingdom of God. There is an anointing. It's not all behind this pulpit. It's not all on this stage. I've already said it, but I'm going to be, I'm going to just be straightforward again. Most of the service needs to happen outside these doors. This is the storehouse. That is the harvest field. We have been, we have been satisfied to come into the storehouse and rejoice in what we have and we have forgotten that Jesus said the fields are white to harvest. Your gifts are needed and God has an anointing that He will give you to do what you are called to do. But you're not going to ever accomplish anything if you sit idle or if you're sliding back. So what do we need to do? Go forward.